Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Welcome back, everybody, to the early line, hour number two, as Kevin and I continue to put the fun and functional sports content all while giving you the edge right here on SportsGrid. As usual, Kevin, in hour number two, we focus on football and, you know... I guess I have to go back to this story, right? It seems like Jamal Adams, the all-pro safety for the Jets, is legitimately trying to work his way out of New York. We've heard the kind of rumors back and forth. And now, you know, it seems like I saw two things yesterday. One, like some random fan was saying, hey, yo, you trying to get to Dallas? And Jamal Adams responded back to him being like, yep, I'm trying to do, I'm trying to, bro, trying to work my way there. So clearly the return home, he is a Texas native, is one thing I also saw, Kev, Marcus May, the other safety of the New York Jets, take to social media and be like, wow, I'm getting more love on my timeline than ever before. Because maybe the conventional wisdom is that if Jamal Adams does leave, the safety tandem would be Marcus May. And then, you know, the third round draft pick of the Jets this year, Ashton Davis out of California, trying to take over. And Jamal Adams responded to that as well, being like, yo, I'm going to miss playing with you, bro. Again, trying to set the narrative that Jamal Adams will be wearing a color that is not green and white. But honestly, Kev, I ain't so sure because he has years on his contract and the Jets continue to say that despite this, they have no interest in moving Jamal. So Jamal can talk all he wants. He technically is under contract. The Jets are not going to give him away for pennies on the dollar. Do you think Jamal actually holds out? Or do we find a trade or is this a lot of smoke and he's ultimately playing safety for the Jets at least this year? So I think that Jamal Adams does want out. And I think that the Jets are in a good position to move him despite what some maybe would tell you is a lack of leverage because of how vocal Jamal is about that. Because of the teams that we've talked about on that list, if you add the Bucks in, that's eight teams. It is seven of the best eight teams in football and the Houston Texans with all due respect, but that's a clarifying uh, thing that I think is worth mentioning. So I think they're in a good position to command a first round pick and then some plus for Jamal Adams uh, and, you know, whatever, you know, the, the, the deal works out to be. The question that I have is right, because we can say, Oh, listen, he's under multiple years of his contract and, you know, is he really going to be willing to hold out and all of these different things? I think the issue here is the only way they resolve it for him to show up is to give him that extension. And I don't see that happening. And because I don't see that happening, I do think he gets traded. That's interesting. I mean, you know, we've seen this in the running back position a lot lately, right, where Melvin Gordon did hold out. Le'Veon Bell did hold out, you know, taking it the route. I We've also talked about the running back position and the leverage they may have. I wonder if a safety, albeit an all-pro safety, would push it to that kind of barrier and actually hold out for the full, you know, eight games and risk the service time and all that. The problem with Jamal for the holdout is he has to do it this year and next year. Next year. That's right. Like, and that's a lot. And I think that's why a lot of people would tell you then, you know, why is he doing all of this? Why mm-hmm. is he willing to then not have to go through these issues with the next team? Again, it's he believes he was made a promise that he would be getting sure. a, an extension that recognizes him as the best safety in, in football. football. Now, I've seen some stuff that says he wants Aaron Donald money. If that's true, I don't believe that that's true. I don't think Jamal is that silly. If that's true, you know what? Get rid of him now. <laughs> let, let another team realize that he wants Aaron Donald money. I, I have to say, I, I think the Jets themselves are in a very weird position as a franchise. Right. Because the rosters improved. They right. were seven and nine. But I'm not expecting them to really take a leap forward. They could but be I, a better team and have a worse record this year. Right. And I just don't know where... 
Jamal Adams fits, in, fits yeah. into that. And as a Jets fan, Kev, to be quite honest, this is the that's the option I'm holding out for, right? Like he does play this year with the Jets because he's got to swallow it, knows that holding out maybe is too long of a negotiation ploy, what have you. And then the Jets do take a step forward this year. Sam Darnold ascends a little bit. That defense, you know, continues to be relatively good with C.J. Mosley back under Greg Williams. If the Jets become that team, let's say finish second in the division, go nine and seven or something like that, maybe then Jamal Adams sees like, oh, if I stick it out here, there is a path to winning with the franchise that drafted me. I think I'm, as a Jets fan, maybe an optimistic Jets fan, holding out that the Jets do take steps forward this year and that Jamal Adams is a piece of it and it kind of, you know, uh, more happier feelings are on the horizon. I Again, I th- and I think that that's possible, but I don't know, and maybe I'm wrong here. I don't think Jamal Adams is sitting here saying, I can never win with the Jets. I think Jamal Adams was told he was going to get a contract just extension. Feel some kind of way, and, and that's it? Yeah, I just don't. I think that he feels that he's not been appreciated by the organization. Here's the problem. I actually, I remember I had debates like this that were pretty similar um, with our producer and also who always comes on with us uh, to talk soccer and does betting around with me, Martino. I've been arguing with Martino now, feels like a decade. I remember we talked about the Isaiah Thomas Celtic situation, right? right? And, I, and, and he was like, I don't understand why everyone is so mad at the Celtics because it's a, it's a business move that 29 other teams in the league make. And I said, you're right, but the Celtics are the team that made it. And that was a reason why we saw Anthony Davis's father say that Anthony Davis would never play for the Boston Celtics. It's just that when you're the team, so do I think that Joe Douglas saying, I'm not extending you now, it makes no sense to do it, show up. I think Joe Douglas is saying something that maybe, you know, 31 other GMs would say, but unfortunately for the Jets, Joe Douglas is the one that's saying it. Yeah, and you talk about for each franchise, they maybe need to have their exceptions to the rule. And the question is, is Jamal Adams that dude for the New York Jets? One other thing I saw today, we'll keep following the Jamal Adams saga. Of course, you know, you and I are imminently close to it. Um, The other things I saw was out in Carolina, you know, where they go in and bring in Teddy Bridgewater. They give the money to Christian McCaffrey. They bring in Robbie Anderson. There's some other wide receivers there, right? DJ Moore, who kind of ascended, and also Curtis Samuel. And I'm getting a report that, you know, Curtis Samuel is kind of impressing his new coaching staff, you know, Matt Rule, Joe Brady. And it made me wonder, is Curtis Samuel going to be the third wide receiver there, right, with Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore, you know you got Christian McCaffrey there, right? So if Curtis Samuel is the fourth most targeted Panther, is he fantasy viable for you? What do you think about Curtis Samuel? He can have all the buzz. He could be a good player, but they've got two other wideouts. And as we determined yesterday, a bell cow among bell cows in Christian McCaffrey. What do you think about Samuel's prospects? Yeah, this is really interesting. So... We're seeing this right now kind of uh, become a name, if you will, in the fantasy community. A lot of people talking about it, asking questions. Uh, I think some of that coming um, to some degree from uh, Matt Harmon, who writes um, uh, over at Yahoo Sports yeah. and is also uh, creates uh, Reception Perception, which I know is something that people love uh, throughout this industry. And Curtis Samuel kind of landed in like a top 35 most successful seasons versus press coverage. And you look at the other names, it's Odell Beckham, Julio Jones, Antonio Brown, like their seasons, (laughs) right? It's a great list to see Curtis Samuel on. And people then are going through some other advanced numbers that are offering up why they're confident in what he could potentially bring to the table. But I look at DJ Moore's 135 targets from last year. I look at McCaffrey's team leading 142 targets from last year. Curtis Samuel had 105 targets. 54 catches. Now, I think this is why a lot of people probably are saying there's some excitement there because that maybe had more to do with the quarterback situation than, say, a Teddy Bridgewater who, you know, accuracy seems to be his calling card. The issue is 
Robbie Anderson, Robbie Anderson. is coming. <laughs> right. And I have to say, my takeaway here, I, I, you know, not to take us off the subject at no, hand, it makes me ask more questions about McCaffrey. 142 targets is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. And now, and now they signed him for another four years, so they got to manage him, right, in a different way. I just, to say that McCaffrey is going to be targeted 40 less times, is that a stretch to you? I, I mean, not. I don't know. Like it was they got to make up it somewhere, right? Uh, for it to, let's put it this way. Yeah. For the Robbie Anderson signing to be useful. <laughs> right? Like yeah. they got to use them. And so that's what, and we talk about this, right? And after this, we're going to talk more about the bell cow timeshare stuff. It's the same theory, right? Kev, like as a fantasy herd and with four legitimate options, there's some people who even believe Ian Thomas is interesting as a tight end in for Greg Olson, right? There you go. You throw up your hands, right? And that? so the one thing is it could be a herd. The other, I think logical connection you're making is, well, Who's going to sacrifice, right? It's going to eat into other slices of the pie on some level. So does that mean DJ Moore at like wide receiver 11 is preposterous? Does that mean Christian McCaffrey, there is some concern, not necessarily is he still a bell cow, but is he at the ridiculous usage rates of like a James Harden in the NBA? And I don't know because they have more talent. And here's the last thing I'll say, Kev. I always say it, the fantasy herd is bad for fantasy, but good for the actual NFL team, right? So maybe the Panthers just don't give a damn about your fantasy team, and they're going to spread it around to everybody to keep defenses off guard. Listen, and they shouldn't care about our fantasy team. Right. But I've, I've used this example a bunch of times when it comes to a Kirk Cousins Washington football uh, example. Okay. So if Christian McCaffrey's RB1 and DJ Moore's a wide receiver one and Robbie Anderson's going to come in and produce— Oh, be Teddy B. But Teddy Bridgewater's going as quarterback, what, 25, yeah. if not yes. later? Yes. Well, She's, a lot of that, McCaffrey's a big run. That's the run game also. Right, but a lot of it has to do with the wide receivers. But if we're I saying agree. that they might have three viable wide receivers and the most targeted running back in football and a tight end that we think is a sleeper. Your point is viable. Something's off. And maybe then we need to move Teddy Bridgewater up or there's going to be Bust potential. Again, McCaffrey will be fine, but maybe he's not 1-1 one, one with a right. bullet. And maybe DJ Moore's maybe a wide receiver, too. Yes. And, and it's like that's a flattening where... of the curve, shall we say, Kev. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And that's why when I talk about fantasy herd, one of the other things I always say is that the herd can be confusing. But you know what you like if you have a fantasy herd? The shepherd of the herd. Because that's the conglomerate, right, of it all put together. We will see. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody, to the early line right here on SportsGrid. Kevin and I, you know, when we talk about Curtis Samuel, the fantasy herd, this is one of my working theories that we have been talking about for a while since the draft. You know, this idea that it's going to be really hard after the second round, let's say, of a fantasy draft to get any kind of bell cow viable workhorse running back. We've been talking about this, Kevin. They are now fewer and further between. I've been saying I'm going to go RBRB in fantasy drafts. You're seeing a lot on social media, mock drafts, and the others where conventional wisdom is starting to come along to the spitting statistician side. And it's this idea that the bell cows are drying up. You got to get them. But moreover, as we evolve to this passing league, there seems to be a lot of like wide receiver twos on that team that are, of course, viable for fantasy. And the pool is getting a lot deeper at wide out, a lot thinner at running back. And when we talk about these timeshares and committees, yet another reason maybe to prioritize the true bell cow elite running backs as early as you possibly can this season. Yeah, if you look at the way some drafts play out, if you do your, you know, some mock drafts, what will happen is after round one, even then, you'll go to round two and you'll be like, look at these wide receivers on the board. You'll be drawn to them. 
Julio, Hopkins, Devontae Adams. Like, you could see some of these guys there for you in round two. Tariq Hill looks so shiny right there in the middle of round two. And you get there in round three, and another wide receiver's there. And now you're there in round four, and you go, all right, let me get my next running back. And it's empty. It's just empty. Meanwhile, you're like, oh, look, there's another 10 wide receivers I like. Right. And now you've started with one running back, four wide receivers, but your running back situation is a complete mess. You know, you don't ever want to go into a draft and say, I am definitively doing this. You got to let the board kind of play out as it does, but. But what we're saying, this is how the board is playing out. Right. (laughs) You know, like the board is playing out that you get starting wide receivers in rounds four, five, and six that you're comfortable with, but. You know, that RB2 position is going to look real nasty for a lot of teams that take the other approach. Yeah, you can't be short-sighted, I think, is the best way to put it. And the, and part of it is the running backs are coming off of the board. They're coming off the board fast. Like, there are – you can go through some mocks and you'll see one, two wideouts coming off the board in round yeah. one. I think round one, the way I expect it for the most part – uh, outside of home leagues where you may take a quarterback I, I'm not, industry leagues that's not going to happen or a league like Scott Fishbowl that I've talked about where there's weird tight end settings where maybe a Kittle or a Kelsey goes a lot earlier I'm going to tell you I think if 12 teams are in a league Kev I think round one is going to be nine running backs and three wideouts. I think yeah. that's what we're going to get. I think we're going to hear the names Julio Jones and Devontae Adams, you know, Michael Thomas, maybe a D-hop go off the board. But I think, to your point, the running back market will get used up very quickly, and then you double down on that in round two. Clearly, the teams that took a wide out will take a running back on the comeback, you know, and then another, I think, smart allocation of resources. So after round two, I believe, you know, 17 running backs are going to be gone, you know, and then when you're staring at, you know, Mark Ingram or Devin Singletary or James Conner, you know, it's, it's a lot different than if you prioritize that early on. So what we did yesterday, and we're going to pick it up again today, we looked at a lot of the teams breakdown to see, do they still have a bell cow? Is it more of a timeshare? Are there a team where a quarterback makes up a big chunk of the rushing? Or are they now what I believe seems to be more and more in vogue, the three and four headed monster, right? Um, in the way teams construct themselves, as opposed to the bell cow tied up with $11 million or whatever the case may be. We've seen a lot of teams do this successfully. The Patriots and the 49ers last year definitely are notable examples. We went through about half of the league last year. We'll recap some of those takeaways. We thought, you know, what does this mean for some emerging bell cows? What does this mean for people who may be perceived to be bell cows where the walls are closing in and they could be more of a herd? The name Nick Chubb comes to mind because of Kareem Hunt's uh, kind of availability there for 16 games. But we continue on our list of teams, Kev. And the next team up is the Los Angeles Chargers, which I think is very interesting Mm. because they even evolved throughout the course of last year, right? Last year, remember Melvin Gordon was not there for the first like eight games of the season. And it was Austin Eckler's show. It was the Austin Eckler show. Austin Eckler was, I believe, a top five fantasy running back for the first half of the season. And then Melvin Gordon came. And I got to tell you the truth. I was an Austin Eckler owner. And, you know, it felt to me like they were force feeding Melvin Gordon as soon as he got back in. And it wasn't as effective. The Chargers offense was less effective. There's also Justin Jackson there who last year, you know, only a, a handful of rushing attempts. But the Chargers seemed to like him. And they drafted the kid Kelly out of UCLA, and they are moving to the preference of a mobile quarterback, which obviously Phillip Rivers wasn't. So when you see Austin Eckler, you know they have Jackson, they bring in Kelly, and there's the potential of a quarterback to make up certainly a bigger chunk than Phillip Rivers ever did. Mm. I'm going to say something. I, I think I'm going to disagree with you on this one. I'm going to call I'm going to call the Chargers a timeshare. I don't think Austin Eckler is going to stand up to the kind of bell cow load um, that other bell cows may have. And I think either the Kid Kelly or Justin Jackson is going to be a legitimate 
B-side complement of about 30%. I think it's a timeshare. Do you think Eckler has the potential to be a bell cow? Well, 30%, if Eckler gets 70, that's still a bell cow, right? Now, Tyrod's going to be a part of this. Let's start with the Tyrod thing because he's had three seasons where he started over 14 games. So the first one was 2015. 14 games started, 104 rushes, 568 yards, four touchdowns. Then in 2016, he started 15 games, 95 rushes, 580 yards, six touchdowns. That sounds like Kyler Murray to me. 2017, he had 15 games played, 84 rushes, 427 yards, and four touchdowns. The thing is, the rushing attempts went down each year. And I do wonder now, as he is, you know, four years removed or three or four years removed from the last time he started that number of games, sure. how much does Tyrod wish to run? I still so remember think- the head coach wants them to run. He wants this kind of quarterback. They're not going to shout from the rooftops that they want, you know, the, the potential that Tyrod offers and then I use them. I think that Tyrod is going to run. I, is it going? Is he going to run 100 times, though? No, I don't believe so. Again, like over a 16-game season, it'd be near that. I think it might be a little bit less than 100, than 100 attempts, but I think his yards can get near 500. So I would argue it's more so in a group with the quarterback. Okay. My thing with Austin Eckler with the whole jo- Justin Jackson, Josh Kelly thing is, one, we don't know which one it's going to be. Right. And I think part of the reason why we're doubting it's Eckler is because he was the complimentary back to Melvin Gordon. But we've seen the Chargers work when Eckler is the lead back. And it works incredibly well. And he's but fantastic. But involved when they did that. He's gonna, And that's the thing. Jackson can be involved. Like, if you go over those first four games, because right. Melvin Gordon played Without Gordon, games, yeah. right? He had 12 carries, 17 carries, Nine carries, 18 carries. That's that Jackson or Eckler? That was Eckler. Oh. Eckler. You know, that's not blow you away, only guy on the field right. kind of numbers. His receptions is where he makes up such a difference. And that's why, to me, Austin Eckler is maybe the running back that I could see myself owning the most because a lot of people have him slotted in Tier 2. Right. Or maybe, I guess, Tier 3, if Zeke, Saquon, and McCaffrey are Tier 1. By themselves, yeah. And I think he's up a group. I, I put him, like, him and Nick Chubb is a conversation for me. And I know I, it's not for a lot of others. Well, it's a conversation for a lot of people. Austin Eckler's going as running back 9 right now with Chubb as running back 10. So I do think it is a legitimate. So it then, no? Yeah, it's a legitimate yeah. conversation, okay? But for now, I will put the Chargers, because it's Tarad, yeah. um, in that quarterback group, along with, if you weren't with us yesterday, so far we have Baltimore, obviously, Buffalo, Arizona, and Houston in that vein. I think Tarad can do just as much as Deshaun Watson. The next team is very, very interesting. I think we have an RBB three on our hands with the Los Angeles Rams. You know, Gurley is not there, and he represented 56% of the load, okay? They had the rookie Henderson. However, Malcolm Brown was the one who actually got more carries than Henderson. And then remember, they drafted Cam Akers. I know you are high on Cam Akers. I don't know, honestly, which of the three are going to be the lead. And so by definition, I think Cam Akers Daryl Henderson and Malcolm Brown provide an RBB three for the LA Rams. This is a tough one for me because they're RBB three in the sense that we don't know who the lead back is, but I don't know if someone's going to grab it. I mean, based on last year, Gurley injured Gurley, right? Much less work coming from Gurley's a much different level of back. At least, I, I think, perception out there. Like, if you have a back like Gurley, but okay. The they don't have going a back. into last year of Todd Gurley was not MVP Gurley. It was right. banged and up. It, we're going to use him less Gurley. He got 223 carries to Malcolm Brown, 69. That is using him less, though. Right, right. So can Cam Akers then, who doesn't have the Todd Gurley pedigree, or, or Malcolm Brown, or Daryl Henderson – command that workload of a 223 split, I think it's plausible. I think they're a tough team to pin down. I look at how things went last year. 
I could not be selling the Daryl Henderson stuff anymore because mm. I think the Rams sold it. For them to use their first pick of the draft, round two, round 50 overall, maybe 52, 50 or 52, on a running back, yeah. after they saw what happened with Gurley, after they just drafted Daryl Henderson, I think it would be misleading to tell you that this is a bell cow. I just think at season's end, they might fit bell cow. But I guess for now, it would be considered an RBB3. Yeah, I think so. The other thing that I've heard, here's the other tea leaf I'm reading. And of course, they're going to say it right now. But McVeigh has also come out and said he likes all three of his backs. Now, that's exactly what you're supposed to say in the month of June. But I do think this is going to be a little bit more of a division of labor. But we'll see how it ends up, right? There's an opportunity there for one of them to grab it. I think it may be a nice idea in a dynasty league to wind up with all three. And then eventually, as the dust settles, to your point, maybe someone grabs the brass ring. Daryl Henderson did not score a touchdown last year. Malcolm Brown put five in to Gurley's 12. If I'd, I'd almost rather say timeshare. I just, Daryl Henderson, I could not be selling anymore. Yeah, it is clear that Henderson is a fugazi, someone that Kevin wants to forget about. When we come back on the other side of the break, I'm going to talk to you about a team. Kev, I think they have a timeshare, and neither one of the members of the timeshare were on the roster next year, last year. I'll tell you which team I'm talking about when we come back. It's the early line, giving you the edge on SportsGrid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line. Kevin and I are trying to project these timeshares, these committees that are going, you know, and it's interesting, right, Kev, when there's a rookie added to it, whether that's Cam Akers or whether that's DeAndre Swift, you know, we don't know how that impacts the pie, but it is still a good exercise. The next team I find very interesting, it's the Miami Dolphins. Now, technically, Kalen Balaj led them last year. Patrick Laird, remember that stretch of time when Patrick Laird was doing things for the Dolphins. Kenyon Drake had obviously been traded. Ryan Fitzpatrick is like their third leading rusher. No, he was their leading rusher. What's that? Yards. For yards. yards. Okay, not how crazy is that? In terms of yards. And this wasn't like Lamar leading the team, right? But here's the thing. They made moves in the offseason. And I remember, to be quite honest, they had the opportunity. We thought maybe they would draft the Jonathan Taylors, the Swifts, the Dobbins, one of the big boy running backs at the top of the board. They didn't. Instead, they bring in Jordan Howard and they trade for Matt Breida. To me, Kev, this reeks of one of those prototypical thunder and lightning timeshares where Jordan Howard is going to get the early down work, the between the tackles work, and Matt Breida would be the PPR third down kind of option out of the backfield. I think this is a timeshare with none of the people who did the work last year having a piece, unless, of course, it is Ryan Fitzpatrick for the three or four games that he is under center. I call this a timeshare. Yeah, I think, I mean, they are a timeshare. Totally agree. Like, it, it is your prototypical, like, yeah. you run on first and second down off the field, Matt Breida get in. They are interesting in a sense, though, that their leading rusher, in for, as far as attempts, is still on the team. In Kalen Balaj, who had 74 attempts in 12 games, he mustered up an impressive 1.8 yards per carry. Like he's just not. Oh, no, I don't. I don't <laughs> think he's going to be a part of, of. I mean, he shouldn't be a part of it. But just the fact that he's still there, and I also think so. Fits how much he starts. He clearly scrambles somewhat. Tua is Tua going to scramble? Or, like, is he going to be cautious? Like, I I think that they're one of the teams that, in terms of teams that we've gone through, maybe the most interesting team when it comes to, I'm like, I can't wait to see what their end of the season rushing totals looks like. Because, as much as I think it is a timeshare, like, Balaj being around a little bit, like Ryan Fitz versus Tua splits Mm -hmm. and what that does for the group. But I totally agree. It is your, like, basic set of a timeshare. 
Yeah, and to be quite honest, when most people believe Miami is still going to be down in games in the second half, Matt Breida becomes a very interesting option if game flow dictates that, you know, garbage time. I think Matt Breida is a very interesting play. And remember, he goes from like the three or four headed monster in San Francisco to a distinct role that game flow may favor for the Miami Dolphins. Our next team is Minnesota. We talk about Dalvin Cook. I think they want Dalvin Cook to be an, a bell cow. And without injury, right, I think he will be. You know the names of Mike Boone's farm and Alexander Madison in the room where it happened. But I think Dalvin Cook is going to be a bell cow for Minnesota. And he deserves it. That's why he's a top five or six pick in fantasy. Do you know how many receiving touchdowns Dalvin Cook had last year? Uh, one. Zero. Yeah. I would have thought. like I'm, I'm sure. More. Yeah, I think that like, he's still that role. Oh, he totally is. It's just a number that caught me by surprise. He had 250 carries last year. Madison, you know, finished up with 100. Mike Boone, thank you for being terrible in that last week. Fantasy a pair of championships were on the line, yep. and I needed him to be terrible. You and I'm like, for my Boone opponent. The fantasy championship incredible. on the line. Um, the thing with Dalvin, look, Dalvin Cook's a bell cow. The only question is, can Dalvin Cook actually survive being a bell cow? I don't know. Like, and also, well, what happened to the Christian Gaffney can, right? Did like, did, what happened with that? Like, did I it's still miss out the there. conclusion of it? No, because I it felt like Dalvin there. Cook like cleared the air. He's like, I don't need McCaffrey money. And they were like, oh, okay. But it's not like then we heard, oh, they're close to a deal. Nope. He hasn't signed or anything like that. You know, remember, we don't hear everything. And sometimes. When, you know, it's under the table, we don't hear it. That actually means that the sides are working together. So, no, I haven't heard the end of that that conclusion. But I do think Dalvin Cook will be there. And you're right. He is a bell cow. I do believe, though, that Madison has some juice in there as well. Not not like he's going to horn in on a percentage of the pie. But I think he's a good backup. And that's all I'm saying. I think he will prove to be a good backup. Next up, we have the New England Patriots. Listen, to me, they're one of the prototypical RBB3s. Uh, Sony Michelle is kind of the early down work, but they're still Burkhead. They're still James White, obviously, out of the backfield. Um, there's even the kid Harris from Alabama. And we know Bill Belichick, don't give a damn about your fantasy teams. I believe the Patriots continue to be a committee, Kev. I, I'm going to disagree. I, I think they're a timeshare. Uh, for me, Sony Michelle last year had 247 carries. Next closest was James White with his 67, and James White is the target man who was second on this team yeah. for targets. Look, it's not to say that Rex Burkhead can't occasionally pop himself, um, you know, pop his head and whatever it might be. But look, they used, like, we don't really talk about it all the time, but Sonny Michelle was a first-round pick, and what? they've used him somewhat in that way, at least when it comes from an attempts perspective, I would still argue that they're a timeshare. All right, fair enough. Um, Damian Harris is in there. Brandon Bolden is in there. The names continue to flow, but for these purposes, we'll call New England a timeshare. You know the other part for me, though, Kev, and this is not something we've been talking about with a lot of the other teams, so I understand me bringing it up now doesn't necessarily help, but Sony Michelle is also injury-prone, and so when he misses some of that time, do we then yeah. get Burkhead and White making Burkhead, you know, a legitimate piece of this for the season? Right, and that's where I think it does muddy the waters a bit because it's the same thing then with the Dalvin Cook conversation we just had. Because then maybe he's not a bell cow. I'm not sure if he's going to be able to finish with out the, the season. Yeah. That's fair. Uh, next up is the New Orleans Saints, which is an interesting breakdown to me. Alvin Kamara, you always think like, oh, man, top 10 pick. He had 42% of the carries there. There's also the wild card that is Taysom Hill. But don't sleep on Latavius Murray. Okay, Lat Murray was playing the role that Mark Ingram played before, being more of that sturdy, big body, you know, big body take the wear and tear, short yarded situation back. And I don't know if you disagree with me, but I think Latavius Murray is a legitimate piece of the puzzle in New Orleans. I know the production of Alvin Kamara is amazing and warrants being a round one top five potential pick. Yeah. But I still consider this a timeshare, Kev. Yeah, it is a timeshare. I mean, Alvin Kamara last year had 171 attempts to Lat Murray's 146. Now, there was a two-games-played difference for these guys. 
Alvin Kamara is one of the more interesting guys on the board to me. Yeah. Because I'm curious if he's going to find himself bouncing back in a major way. I think a lot of people would label that season that he put forward a dissing, uh, disappointing one. Yeah. Uh, the season prior, he had 14 rushing touchdowns. Absolutely. To last season's five. He had four receiving touchdowns to last year's one. I think that, for me, Kamara has the opportunity to score, and you see this, with the bell cow group. Yeah. But I agree it is a timeshare, and that's why they're a tough one to somewhat define exactly. I agree with you. I like, mean, it's not going to be fantasy viable enough to justify calling it a timeshare. I don't know, because maybe he gets the, the goal line work, right? I, 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 think, I think Lat Murray is on rosters. For sure. Yeah. I don't know if he's starting, though. Maybe he's a bi-week kind of starter, right? Or if you're the Camara owner, you want to get Lat Murray as the handcuff because of the potential injuries. Remember, a year ago at this time, the top group was a group of four, okay? CMC, Saquon, Zeke, and Alvin Kamara. So don't forget about him because yeah. of what you may consider a down year. In that group I just mentioned of the true bell cows, we go to the New York football giants where Saquon, even though he missed games last year, had 60% of the load. They bring in Dion Lewis to be the pass catching back, but don't get it twisted. Saquon is still a bell cow to me. Yeah, I mean, Saquon Barkley is undeniably... Yeah. About cow, he and I'm. This is he's part of the reason why I'm considering him over Christian McCaffrey yep. in drafts, and he's really the only person I'm considering that for. So yeah, I mean Saquon is yeah, he's a really really easy one for me. I agree with you. We can get one more in before the break here. The other team in New York has Le'Veon Bell, who ran 64% of the rushes for the Jets. Now, remember, they bring in Frank Gore. They draft the kid Pirine as well. So those are names that are there in the backfield. But I don't know that they're going to have huge loads here. I would consider Lev Bell a returning bell cow. Yeah, Love Bell should be a bell cow. Last year, what a down season it was for him right. in terms of an efficiency standpoint. If there was an argument the to be line, the quarterback gonna, should be there healthy. If you were going to play devil's advocate, it would be that he is a running back that the coach doesn't like, doesn't want there, and they've brought in Frank Gore, who always finds a way, who the coach does like, and drafted a running back, which means that the coach will have some favoritism towards him. I still agree with you. I think Lev Bell belongs in the bell cow grouping. I think Le'Veon Bell should be a bell cow, and I shouldn't even play devil's advocate or have to play devil's advocate. But I believe that those are concerns that people can and maybe even should have when it comes to Lev Bell's outlook for this coming season. Yeah, the concerns are valid. I get it. Again, what I think is going to happen and, you know, what I'm hopeful for, just like I'm hopeful for Jamal Adams, right? I'm hopeful that the vast improvement that most people expect on the offensive line for the Jets this year and the vast improvement that I believe you're going to get from year three Sam Darnold without Mono versus like Luke Falk and Trevor Simeon are going to allow Le'Veon Bell to return to prominence to kind of answer these questions. And then you won't need to consider that. And I don't care if Gaze likes them or not. The production and the proof would be in the pudding. That's the way I think it is going to go. We've gone through about 22 of the teams in the NFL. That means we've got 10 left and we've got one segment to do it. How many more bell cows are out there? We even talk about Kevin's team, the Philadelphia Eagles, who have Miles Sanders. But it looks like they're playing in the veteran running back pond to add to it. Are they comfortable with just Miles Sanders or do they want more of a timeshare, more of a committee? Because none of these are set in stone just yet when there's still guys like Devontae Freeman, LaShawn McCoy, Lamar Miller out there. But we'll look at some more teams in the NFL and try to find some more bell cows. And we'll do that after the break. It's the early line giving you the edge right here on Sports Radio. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 
Welcome back into the early line on SportsGrid. Kevin and I looking about the running back situations on a lot of teams because if you remember and if you've been watching, my theory is that, you know, larger and larger committees are becoming in vogue here. Our next squad is the Las Vegas, not Oakland, Raiders. I think this is an interesting one. Um, Josh Jacobs is there, was a big-time rookie. You know, as a rookie, ran for over 1,100 yards. And, you know, DeAndre Washington was second there. He's no longer there okay he's in kansas city i would love to wonder i i think this is borderline bell cow because i also believe jalen richard is another one of those kevin prototypical outside of the backfield third down backs but i don't think he's a Tariq cohen i don't think he's even a Dion lewis so i'm gonna go ahead and say josh jacobs in year two is going to become a bell cow yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think last year, Rashad played the full 16, came away with 43 targets, and Jacobs in three less games had 27. Like, there wasn't even a considerable gap there. With with If, he, if Jacobs had played the three more games, right. he might have even have targeted Rashad. The carries were not close. If Jacobs is going to be out there for a full 16, he is one of those backs that is like cusp RB1 yeah. that I am actually excited to try and draft. Fair enough. And remember, entering year two, that's when these running backs ascend, right? So he could be someone that I'm looking at as well. Kev, next up is your Philadelphia Eagles. And I'll ask it to you point blank. Is Miles Sanders a bell cow? Miles Sanders, if they don't add anybody else, is a bell cow. Um, the thing is, we're expecting them to add someone else. I mean, Boston Scott, Corey Clement, Elijah Holyfield. Do you expect these guys no. to come in and Stop Miles Sanders. Is Darren Sproles coming back? No, I think I think Darren is I think Darren's hung he it done? up. It's done. I okay. believe so. Okay. So yeah, Miles Sanders can be a bell cow. This is incomplete. Hey, that's, hey, that's what hey, this hey, would be. Right. It'd be incomplete. Right. Because we've seen too much smoke, right, right. Kev? Right. That Philadelphia, we know that they're at least in the market for a veteran running back, right? They've entertained the ideas of Carlos Hyde, Devontae Freeman, LaShawn McCoy. That signals to me that they want a B-side, that they want this to be a timeshare. Um, but I agree with you. If they fill that role, it's a timeshare. If not, Miles Sanders, I'm going to put him as a timeshare, but with a little asterisk on it because it's not yet, but I expect it to be. Next up, another interesting one. It's the Pittsburgh Steelers, where James Conner had 30% of the load, but remember, he was injured a bunch. They have the kid Benny Snell. You know about Jalen Samuels. They draft McFarland out of Maryland. But the Pittsburgh Steelers traditionally are a team led by a bell cow. It don't matter if it was Le'Veon Bell. Remember a couple of years ago when Le'Veon Bell missed games for suspension? Freaking D'Angelo Williams became a bell cow in a short mm -hmm. stint. So I know there's a lot of names there that can go into James Conner's percentage. I know James Conner also disappointed and has been injury prone, but I think the Steelers want James Conner to be a bell cow. How do you see the Steelers' backfield? Yeah, strong agree on, on, on all fronts. Uh, James Conner, to me, is one of the best values in the running back market because we've talked about how, you know, the cupboard gets pretty bare as right. you go later and later into these drafts. But he has the chance to be a bell cow on what is a very, very good offense or what should be With a big very good back. offense. Because last year they were the worst offense in football. Nevertheless, a bell cow is a bell cow. I'm going to put him in that group, but I will tell you, you need a handcuff. Okay. That's fair. So if you're going to take Connor, you want to get Jalen Samuels or Benny Snell or the kid McFarlane later. And I think you make a good point. If you're going to consider Connor a bell cow, he is going in drafts below Josh Jacobs, Dalvin Cook, Saquon Barkley, the other bell cows that we mentioned. Not even close. Right. Really. So like, he's able like to a get. RB20 ish, kind of right? I like in the RB20s, absolutely could be a guy to kind of keep in, in your back pocket. Next up, the San Francisco 49ers. I think, you know, they are the prototypical RBB3, right? They yeah. proved that last year. Um, you know, one week it was Tevin Coleman, one week it was Raheem Mostart. Don't forget about Matt Breida. And you would say, oh, wait, Breida's gone. That's right. 
but Jarek McKinnon is still there. And I don't know if he's going to be healthy enough, but they approach this with Shanahan. They've always done it this way. You know, even guys like Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk are going to get carries. To me, the Niners are an RBB3. Yeah, Raheem Mostert should maybe like be someone that we could talk about Coleman? as a bell cow. The problem is, well, what Mahostert did last year to me, I don't know if we even like appreciated the fact that he had one of the greatest single game performances sure. in playoff history from a running back. Sure. But they just don't care. No, and they don't. Tevin the Coleman's going to get his. And I think the like evidence- there's been games when James White had four touchdowns for the Pats. They don't care. He, the reason why they are, to me, an RBB3, and no matter what, that will be their um, label, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. is they got they started the Super Bowl by putting the ball in Tevin Coleman's hand. That's right. After that was, Mostard had four touchdowns in the NFC yeah. Championship game. Right? Now, I would tell you, that was dumb. That was a bad decision because Coleman was coming off of an injury and didn't look as good. Mostert got the ball and looked really good. Yeah. With the ball, they, they made a mistake. Is Shanahan going to correct it? Okay, maybe just... Coleman's out. You're still best-case scenario as a timeshare right. with Eric McKinnon. Right. Like, you They'll only... bring in another back if one of them goes yeah, down. Wilson will figure it out. Like, right. people Samuel gets carries. Kyle Juszczyk is Juszczyk. still yeah. something we know. So I agree with you. It's an RBB3. I just feel like if – like. If Raheem Mostert was guaranteed 60%, he's an RB1, right? Right. But the fact that he is not is why yeah. he is so far down in boards because everyone sees this cool. as a big-time committee. Next up is the Seattle Seahawks, okay? Carson was at 58%, almost bell cow uh, area. However, you have Russell Wilson, who ran for 342 yards. And remember, as a kind of insurance policy for the Carson injury and all the injuries they've had, they brought in Carlos Hyde. And I believe Carlos Hyde is going to play a role for the Seattle Seahawks. So to me, I think there's two ways you can go here, Kev. I think you either consider this a timeshare with Hyde and Carson, or because of the presence of Russell Wilson, they go into the quarterback chunk category. So the argument that I would make to you why Russell Wilson does not make this a quarterback group is they run the ball so much that he doesn't really pull away from the running backs being able to get okay. to a workload that can provide them enough. The timeshare thing is a push and pull for me. Chris Carson last year had 278 attempts, ran for 1,230 yards, seven touchdowns. Problem, he was the clear leader. He's had a fumbling problem. Right. He also was their lead man in terms of targets at the running back position. Carlos Hyde comes in as a thousand yard rusher. Carlos Hyde just come in and said, Oh, we all know Chris Carson's the lead guy. The question I have for you is do you think that this is a timeshare? Because at games end, one of them will rush 15 and the other will rush 10. Or do you think this is a Chris Carson at some point will be out and it'll be Carlos Hyde and then maybe something will go wrong with Carlos Hyde and now it's Chris Carson. I think this is the dreaded term of the hot hand, Kevin. Yeah. And yeah. that's why I think it's bad. And the other reason I'll say timeshare is I think this is very similar to the Philadelphia Eagles, but they then made that signing, right? right. Like in the same way you think the Eagles would be a timeshare, they like Sanders, but if they brought in, I don't know, call it Shady McCoy, it becomes a timeshare. I think the Seattle has become a timeshare because they brought in Carlos Hyde. Are you cool with that? Yeah, I'm definitely good with that. All right, I think another one here, the next one up is Tampa Bay. I think this could be one of those thunder and lightning actions. Yeah. All right, you know, we have Ronald Jones. People want a free Rojo. There's the idea of Peyton Barber, who had 37% of the carries. He's not there. And you know Tom Brady there is going to run less than Jameis Winston in his 14%. I think this is one of those prototypical thunder and lightnings. Rojo, early down, short yardage in between the tackles. And then the drafted Keyshawn Vaughn, who a lot of people were high on as the kind of receiving back. To me, this is a timeshare, Kev. It's a timeshare that I won't know part of. It's a timeshare that. that I could see one guy leaving the other in the dust and then giving it right back and getting left in the dust. Yeah, it's a timeshare, though, for sure. 
Ronald Jones, if you were going to try and sell me on one of them, would be the guy, though. I agree with that. That's why our, our friend and colleague, Chris Venture, the closer, has been on free Rojo for a while. I think we have an obvious one up next with the Tennessee Titans. Remember, and we've talked about this, right? With Derrick Henry on the franchise tag, this screams to me, chew him up, spit him out, use him while you can. Derrick Henry, bell cow for the Titans. Yeah, he's definitely a bell cow. And the more we've gone through these uh, exercises, Dane, I found myself liking Derrick Henry more and more. Yep. I, I find myself somewhat concerned with injuries just because that kind of workload to then get that kind of workload again. But that offense was humming with Ryan Tannehill, uh, all-world quarterback. And I just uh, – Derrick Henry to me maybe should be in that conversation with McCaffrey, Saquon, and Zeke more than we're willing to put him in it. You taking Derrick Henry or Alvin Kamara if you're sitting four in drafts and those first three go off the board? Or Dalvin Cook. I'll throw him in there as well. I think Dalvin – I think I'd take Derrick Henry maybe over Dalvin Cook. Kamara's tough because I think Kamara could find himself regressing. In a PPR league, I might take the other two. Yeah. No, and I get it. It's like, man, but Derrick Henry last year with Ryan Tannehill – was flirting with like a with like yep. a two K rushing season, right? And like that's that's not you know, uh, is it a fluke? I don't know, man. It yeah. for him to lead the league in attempts and average five point one yards per carry, sixteen rushing touchdowns. Like he's not even a PPR. Like it's not right. even like oh, you know, like he had twenty four targets last year. That's right. For him to be able to do that so much through the rushing game is so crazy, man. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. We got only a minute left and one more team. I do want to get your thoughts on Let's Washington. That's interesting to me because Peterson was there, right? But remember, I got to believe, honestly, if Darius Geis is there and healthy, he's a part of this. So there's no bell cow. The question is, do you see this as a Geis-Peterson timeshare? Yeah, or is there maybe a situation where Antonio and Gibson, Gibson, the Gibson kid right, gets here is, is going to bring this to an RBB3? I'd right now, I would... I'd lean timeshare because I could also see Geiser Peterson being the only one left of the two. Right. And then Gibson could be the timeshare. Yep. So I, I, I think they're they're a tough one to define exactly. I'd lean towards timeshare, though. Fair enough. There goes. We did all the teams. We'll break it down more and give you our takeaways from this exercise tomorrow. Remember, also, we've played out the season. So we will look at the AFC and that bracket, those future odds, and ultimately what we want to do. For my man, Kevin Walsh, I'm merely the spitting statistician, Dane Martinez. Keep it locked right here on SportsGrid. We continue to give you the edge. The morning after is up next. We'll see you guys tomorrow right back here on the early line. Have a great day, everybody. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.